Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. So glad to be here today. So glad to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, This new series that we are starting today is only three weeks. So sometimes we say, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a long journey. This one is three weeks. And so uh, two things I want to encourage you to do. One, um, they all go together. So sometimes we can jump in and out. And so if you miss one, if you're out of town next week, if you miss it for some reason, jump on and keep going because it's going to matter for the third. And if you're online, this is an easy thing to do to share with people that they can join us as well. Because what we're aiming to do in this next three weeks with this series is um, really take stock of what the last year has brought to us, not in the sense that we're going to do that thing where we look back at 2020 and we just wail and moan about it's over, it's behind us, and so we're going to move on. And yet we can take some lessons from that and recognize that 2020 was a year of profound transition in everyone's life. And that was kind of a societal thing. We don't often get to do that. Often our transitions are personal. It's loss or it's um, new family or it's, uh, you know, this transition, that transition. I move jobs, I change houses, whatever it is. We have these transitions that are unique to us. In this last year, we've all kind of experienced a grand societal transition from what was into what we're in to what may be coming next. And so what we want to do is kind of say, why were we so unprepared for that? Why is transition so hard for us? And what can we learn from God about what he desires for us in it? And so what we're going to do is um, kind of rest on the year of transition that we're coming out of and then recognize that normal is over. And, and this is, you know, none of us really want to admit that. We're like, when is normal coming back? And we're like, well, normal is over. That's the end. Whatever we just went through, it's over. Think about the, the year that you've been through. I don't know about you. How many of you, just by show of hands online, you can just uh, you can say yes or no. Um, how many of you got a mask for Christmas? Mask for Christmas. Yeah, I got masks for Christmas. It's like, if I get those for Father's Day, we're going to have words. Because uh, give me a tie and socks. I don't care. Um, how many of you? If I had told you last year you were going to be getting masks for Christmas, you would have thought I was insane. My children are six months into the school year and have never met their teachers. We have businesses around our city and our region that have gone away forever. We have traditions that have fallen by the wayside. Our best attended church services are still online. We as a people have experienced a set of endings, a series of endings. We have, as a people, have had one thing after another that we knew to be true, that we knew to be right, that was our normal everyday experience. Those things have ended. The Roman uh, Stoic philosopher Seneca said, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. You may know that from the song by Semisonic, Closing Time. I was working in the restaurant industry when that song came out. And we were so excited when that came on about 1.30 in the morning. You're like, yes, get out of the restaurant. Closing time. Okay. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. What does that mean? For something to start, something must end. I want to introduce you to the Bridges transition model. As he's going to put it up on the screen for us, it's this blue. Uh, we're just going to see a lot of this. You're going to see a lot of this. The Bridges transition model is William Bridges uh, came up with this whole model of how people work their way through transition. And it's, it's a three-part process, and I've renamed the middle process in the white there for wilderness because it suits us better, and I think it actually describes what we're going through a little better. 
but the three parts of any transition are there. It starts with the ending. There's the end. And then we move from there into wilderness. That in-between, it isn't what it used to be, but it isn't what it's going to be yet either, which is the hardest part, but also the part we do the most growing. And so we'll talk about that next week. And then finally, at the end of that, you make your way into new beginnings because all transitions start with ending. We're going to frame this in the 2020 story a little bit, but it applies to all life transitions. So as you sit there, as you uh, engage with this, your job in this next three weeks is to really consider what are the major transitions you've been through or are currently going through and how does this all apply to it? Changing jobs, starting a family, becoming empty nesters, moving houses, getting married, enduring divorce, celebrating new life, dealing with loss. Our connection director, Robert McMahon, uh, he and his wife, Jenny, Jenny is actually the one expecting, he just gets to be along for the ride, but uh, they got a baby coming in less than a month. What is that? That's a transition. It's the end of their time as two adults with all of the freedom and spontaneity at their fingertips It's the wilderness will come when a baby shows up and we have a baby, but we're not yet used to being parents. And then somewhere in that first year, everybody gets that light bulb moment where you're like, hey, we can do this. And that's kind of when that new beginning starts. And that's just his current season. And each and every one of us have these seasons as we go through life. And so how do we manage these together? How do we navigate them? And how do we do it in a biblical sense? How do we do it with God's wisdom instead of our own blind fumbling? Ralph Waldo Emerson says, not in his goals, but in his transitions is man great. That you and I, life is a series of transitions. All life is, is one transition after another. And so greatness as we experience it, success in life as we know it, is usually found by those who best navigate transition. The Bible is full of rich, life-giving wisdom on this. What we're going to do is root in the Exodus story. Briefly told, in case it's unfamiliar to you, The end of the Exodus story, the beginning, is when God's people are ushered out of Egypt and out of slavery. Then, uh, after the Red Sea splits, God splits the sea and they leave slavery, they end up wandering in the wilderness, this land between, for years and years and years, and then finally their new beginning is they reach the promised land. And so God's people leave Egypt. Pharaoh has let them go from slavery. He regrets it. And so he sends his chariots and armies after them. We're going to pick up the story there in Exodus chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 10, scripture says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians coming at them. They were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, Weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, we didn't, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. They're about to go into wilderness, and it's already creating fear. Moses spoke to the people. Don't be afraid, he says. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians today, for you're never going to see them again. God will fight the battle for you, and you... Moses says, you keep your mouth shut. I said, this is like Moses is, is taking his kids on a road trip and they're making too much trouble in the back seat. And Moses is like, I will pull this car over right now. Just shut up and let me do my work. So as you might know, as I just said, God splits the sea. The, the Israelite people are backed up against the sea. The Egyptians are coming with their chariots and their armies. And God says, I got this, watch. 
and the Red Sea splits and the people walk through on dry land. And then as the Egyptians are coming to follow them through, the sea crashes back on them. Their enemies are vanquished. They are, they're saved. God says the end. Now let's get on with the story. I've ended one thing. Now it's time to see where we're going. The end of anything is hard. We don't deal really well with the end of things because we're too busy wondering about what comes next that we often fail to grieve really well. I read a stat recently that the average amount of time away from work that an American takes with the loss of a child is three days. How many days off work? Three. Got to get back at it. Loss of a spouse? Four days. We don't grieve well. There's a lot of reasons for it. We'll get into those as we go. But we don't do it very well. I get, I get bummed at the end of a book. I don't like the... I, when, I, when the book starts getting thin at the back end, I start hoping like I'm slowing down. I'm rationing it out word by word because I don't want it to end. If it's fiction, I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. If it's nonfiction, I, I got more to learn. What, what's, where's the next book? Where's the sequel? We don't want the story to end. The end is hard. Last March was sort of the end of a lot of things. It was sort of the end of life as we knew it, and that, that's led us into the wilderness we're in now. My, my recollection of March 2020 is I was literally uh, I was dragging suitcases into my garage and loading suitcases into the back of our car as we were going to pick up our children. We were making our way to Cleveland to attend the MAC basketball tournament in support of Coach Huger. And so we're, we packed, we're loading the car, and my wife calls out, hey, Tanya says it's canceled. And we kind of froze. My, my children tell the story. They're waiting in the office because the teachers knew they were leaving. They were waiting in the office, and they just waited for like an hour and a half, and they said, no one's ever coming to pick me up. <laughs> the sad picture. That's how they'll remember COVID, is sitting in the office by themselves where this vacation they were about to take, this weekend adventure, never came to be. So we didn't go to Cleveland. There was no more basketball. And then church went online. And then the concert we had tickets to in May, that got postponed and postponed and postponed and then canceled. The Jamaica trip that my wife had planned for us on our 15th anniversary, that went away. Our family that was going to come visit us from 1,400 miles away said, ah, maybe not. That got canceled. Recitals got canceled. Other vacations got canceled. My children who worked for six months to be in the Nutcracker the day of the Nutcracker, the Nutcracker got canceled. No restaurants, masks everywhere, virtual school, and everyone's favorite, Zoom meetings. The end, 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 the end. That was our year. Everything we knew was the end and the end and the end and the end. Endings require grieving and grieving takes time. There is deep emotional work to be done when we face an ending. But with the speed of change in 2020, with the speed of change in our modern world, with the next thing coming down your Twitter timeline or your Facebook news page or whatever it is that you're checking on, by the time you get to the thing you're supposed to be grieving, there's already a new thing you're supposed to be processing. By the time we get to grieving the current reality, a new set of facts has arrived. So instead of grieving what was lost, we ended up replacing it with a new set of challenges like the tides rushing in and out. There were just new things over and over and over. In Exodus 14, we hear the Israelites crying out, the pace of change is too great for them. 
They went from slavery to running overnight. And just as quick from running and feeling like they're free and we're going to make it, now they're backed into the corner. There's an army and a sea and there's no way out. What would they grieve in that moment? They were leaving slavery, but they were entering the unknown. And as we all know, whether we want to admit it or not, our greatest fear is the unknown. Anxiety is built in the unknown. Anxiety is not built on what we know to be true. Anxiety is built on what we aren't yet sure is coming. And anxiety is sort of this foundational thing that runs through this entire concept of transitions. We, we feel constant anxiety because the unknown over the hill is always waiting for us. Like navigating a switchbacks in the fog. Have you ever been, you ever been on a, a twisty road with limited visibility? In full visibility, you're just enjoying it. You're feeling those gears shift. It's, it's great. And as soon as visibility drops away, every turn represents a challenge, a fear, a threat, a who knows what's next. Navigating change is like switchbacks in the fog where you just never know what's coming around the corner. And the Israelites are in this space where they go, there's a lot happening. We can't even get over the fact and grieve the fact that, that we left this life behind and this thing that we've known is gone. And, and now we need to get ready for the next thing because there's always another unknown coming. And that's what creates this anxiety. At the end of this series, we're actually going to have a talk on anxiety. Specifically on a Sunday night, we're going to put together Dr. Carissa Watt, who is an expert in anxiety, a clinical psychologist, and that's what she does. I said, this is so rampant in our society and it's so important for us personally that we're actually going to address that specific thing in and of itself, anxiety and how do we deal with it, how do we manage it, how does that work? We're going to do that at the end of this series, so it's going to get even more practical as we go. The Israelites thought they were better off as slaves. Faced with the unknown of a marauding army, they thought maybe we should have just stayed slaves. Can we just go back? It reminds me of a faith journey. Every faith journey is different. Your journey of faith is different than my journey of faith. How, how you find God, how God finds you, how you relate to Jesus, every single one of us has a slightly nuanced story. For many people, myself included, the hardest part of trusting Jesus was letting go of my old life. The old things I knew, the old ways I behaved, the old religion I had been raised in. Well, taking Jesus seemed like an easy idea, except I couldn't let go of the old thing. Some years ago, my wife and I were part of a group that went and did trapeze. I have a grainy screenshot to prove it. That's her. We went and did trapeze as part of a, well, a sermon illustration, to be honest. And we did it to prove the fact that the hardest part of trapeze, like the hardest part of faith, like the hardest part of life, is letting go. You hook your legs onto the back of this rod hanging from super thin wires. And then they say, hold your arms out and just let go. Before I touch your hands, I'm going to shout, let go. And you let go before I grab you. So before the other person who's upside down hanging from wires, why people do this? I don't know, right? When you, when you really zoom out, you're like, wait, who started doing trapeze and why did we think this was a good idea? Like, it wasn't fun to just be safe on the ground. We needed to get super dangerous, pull out the, pull out the safety net, just, it'll be fun. Um, and what we learned in that experience was letting go was, it was super hard. Almost, almost everybody in the whole group said, I wanted to do it, I just couldn't let go. I wanted to reach for the next thing. I just couldn't let go of the thing I had because I don't know how it's going to go. I've never done trapeze. It's unknown to me. How do I do it? 
The end is most difficult when the next move is most uncertain. What if I let go of all I've ever known and the new thing doesn't work out? What if I let go of what I, what I know so well and the new thing is too hard? Ask anybody who's ever changed a career midstream. What if I let go of the thing I'm good at that provides and I do this new thing that I feel like I'm supposed to do, but what if it doesn't work out? What if I let go and no one is there to catch me? Faith is a letting go. Old self, old habits, old relationships. Most importantly, faith is a letting go of an old identity. And you can hear it in the Israelites. We were better off as slaves. They were not ready to let go of their identity as slaves because the unknown was too, capital U, unknown. And they were, the anxiety of what was coming was enough that they would rather be identified as slaves than God's free people because the unknown was looming. Being slaves was better than the unknown of wilderness. But transition is a necessary invitation to wilderness. For every single one of us, transition in any part of your life, transition is a necessary invitation to wilderness. There is always a journey between what was and what will be. And there's two big hurdles here. Listen, there's two big hurdles to finding our way into wilderness, which is where we have to be if we want to make it to the promised land. The two big hurdles are freezing and being over it. Freezing and being over it. We saw this in this last year. We, we've probably each in our own way vacillated between these two ideas of like, if I just don't move, maybe nothing will, will go wrong. Like maybe I, I can just make sense of it if I just don't move for long enough. And that doesn't work because the world keeps going even when you freeze. Freezing is, is what we do when we think, if I stop, maybe the world will stop with me. And so we don't make a decision, we don't move, we don't adapt, and maybe if we just stay still, but the world just keeps going. And so we stay stuck. We don't ever enter the wilderness because we just freeze and the sea opens up and we go, oh, I don't know if that's for me. It seems a lot of unknowns on the other side of that water. Do you think the, you think the walls of the water, is, you think it's going to hold? I don't know. Let's just stay. The other ditch on this road is being over it. You heard this a lot in the last year. A lot of people have been over it with regards to COVID. Being over it is not the same as grieving and letting go. Over it is what we say when we see the wilderness and we long for slavery again. Look, I'm over this whole journey thing, this whole getting out of slavery. I'm over it. Can you just... I'd just rather go back. I'm over it. Anyone who's ever started a new diet knows what over it feels like. If it's weight and health related, over it is what we say as we reach for the ice cream because the goal weight seems impossibly far away. That's over it. I'm over it. Look, I'm over it. Hand me a spoon. Hand me a half gallon. Let's go. That's over it. It doesn't get you to the promised land, but, but for a minute, at least it takes you back to comfort. It, let, let me go back to the slavery because it seems more comfortable than where we're going. As you know, uh, I've said it multiple times, my wife has had a really difficult last year with her health and GI stuff and stomach stuff. And we've had multiple different kind of insane, weird diets and don't eat this, but do eat that. And none of them make any sense to us. Over it is what she says when her radical diet pain still yields pain. Her, her radical diet change still yields pain. And she's cut sugar and grain and gluten and dairy, and then she has to switch. No onions, but garlic, but no garlic, but now onions. And all the different things, the different permutations of her diet, when she says she's over it, she says she's over it because all of the changing she's doing and the adapting she's trying to do still yields pain because wilderness is hard. She says, yeah, I'm over it. Let's just get poly eyes. And I'm like, that's a bad idea. 
put the graph back up of the three stages as we kind of try to make sense of what it is we're talking through. Letting go is what's required for the end to take place. Letting go requires we willingly step into the uncomfortable space known as the wilderness. If we're ever going to reach the promised land, we have to let go and allow the end to be an end. Only then do we get in that thick middle of unknown and confusion. And part of that is grieving what's lost. So for my wife, she grieves pizza and ice cream and pasta and bread and anything joyful and fried. She grieves that. And not until she grieves it is she able to say, it's the end of that season of my life and I need to move into the next one because there is a land in the distance where I can have health and I can have joy and I can, I can go through a day without having to think about what I'm eating because I'll have such a good habit of doing the right things the right way for my specific, that there's a promised land over there. What she has to get through to get to the promised land is the wilderness of the unknown and the wilderness of the trying and failing and the wilderness of the wondering when God's going to provide the next bit. But she can't embrace the new way of eating without first grieving and shutting the door on the old way. Otherwise, she just looks longingly at fried chicken and Sunday station and wonders why me. And then she says, I'm over it. Failing to grieve is to be stuck in denial. But it manifests like someone refusing to shut the door on an old relationship. It's a pretty dangerous thing. Social media makes it a little bit gray is how this works. An old relationship, your old flame, your high school boyfriend, your whatever, you're still friends with them? You're still checking in? In tough times, do you take a little longer look? I wonder what they're up to. Just curious. When we don't shut the door on the old, it allows the old to seek into the present. And it tears apart our present because our past is still an option. So when the wilderness gets hard, we end up looking to the past. And wasn't it great when we were slaves? At least we had meat. When the wilderness gets hard, we look to the past. Like I'm so over this COVID thing, can't we just go back to normal? It's denial. It implies a return to something that's already lost. And that's irrelevant of the statistics or the disease vectors or the transmission rates or the actual, it, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's not that transmissible or not that many people are getting it or everybody survives or the rates are so for low or it's just the new flu. It doesn't matter because what is true is societally that age is over that we've moved into with this new age. Look around. We are in masks, distanced in buildings with more people watching from a tiny white camera bolted to the back wall than sitting in the room because something ended. And the sooner we get into that end, the sooner we are able to navigate the wilderness and find the new beginning that God wants to, to use. For us, the, the joy and the beauty is we would never have reached this many people this year had it not been for COVID. That we have 175, 225, we have people online that we've never met before who are following Jesus as a result of global pandemic. We would never have asked for it. But if we had refused and said, we're not going online, we're waiting until everybody's back in the building, we never put a camera up then we would be stuck in the old way. It hasn't been fun or easy. We've had an incredible team that's done incredible work to make all these things happen, to put everything online. And yet week after week, we get little messages. I get people dropping by the house. I see people out in the, in the city, I, and they go, 
I know you haven't seen us in, in months, but we're watching, and it's been a lifeline. Or my, my neighbor, they moved to Indiana, but they're still watching. Or my, my cousin in Texas, they're watching. And we, we have all these people that are going, because of, because of some little map that church in the frozen swamp chose to put a robotic camera on the back wall, which we never would have done. God is using it. That's what the promised, man starts, the promised land starts to look like, is you start to see glimpses of what might happen if we, just, if we just endure the wilderness and we find our way through. God may have something greater on the other side. So the question is, what have you lost that you haven't let go of? Maybe it has to do with the last year. Maybe it's something bigger than that. Maybe it's a, a season of life that you haven't yet let go of. You haven't grieved it. The question is, what is the, what is the lack of letting go costing you in the future? Because when we refuse to let go of the thing that we need to let go of, it costs us something in the future. You cannot simultaneously hold past and future. You make a choice. And so if you're holding on to the past, then you are not able to take hold of God's future for you. As we move from what was and try to fully engage the wilderness of the moment, I should remind you that this is the hardest place to be. The in-between is the hardest place. Wilderness is the not what it was, and not yet what it's going to be kind of place. Wilderness is those last six weeks of being engaged. For Robert and Jenny, it's the last three weeks of waiting for a baby. I've never been pregnant, newsflash. But apparently it gets pretty uncomfortable right at the end. Apparently sleeping's really hard and everything hurts. It's like the body is yearning and groaning to have the new beginning. book of Isaiah, the prophet, has a message for us from the Lord. It says this in, in verse 16 of chapter 43. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm making a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I'm making a way in the wilderness. What so often feels like being lost is really just the path to being found. I need you to hear that. What feels like being lost is most often just the path to being found. For the Israelites, what felt like wandering in the desert, what felt like wandering in the wilderness was God's necessary path to find them in the promised land. For you and I, when we let go of what God has closed the door on and we accept the wilderness that he brings next, that is our path to finding the promised land. I don't know what battle you're in. I don't know what transition you're going through. I don't know what challenges you face. I don't know the season that God has in front of you. But I know a few. I know we have relationship things. I know we have health things. I know we have job things, financial things. I know that we have battles all over this room. What so often feels like being lost and unmoored and stuck in the unknown is God's path to being found. When you navigate the losses that come with life, divorces, death, job change, big moves. 
when you look and in the moment you say, there is no way through it. When you feel like you are backed up to the sea with the chariots approaching with certain death or drowning as your only options. That's where faith shows up. I am making a way, God says. I'm making a way. And he splits the sea. Where we need a way, God makes a way. And so faith is walking into the wilderness, not knowing where we're going, but knowing we can't go back. And where we need a way, God makes a way. He made a way through mighty waters. And God's word in the wilderness for us is forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. Put them in the scrapbook, file away the photos, one day you'll look back fondly. But if you're going to make it through the wilderness, you have to keep your eyes on the promised land ahead. Next week, we'll spend more time and really get into wilderness and how we navigate that well, how we, in some ways, survive it. In other ways, how do we thrive in the unknown? Because that's where we are today as a people, as churches, as society. We are in the unknown of I don't know what's next. What we're going to see is there are both opportunities and grand temptations for us in these seasons. What we know to be true is there's no going back to what was. And yet, we haven't arrived at what will be. And so for now, we get to let go. If we learn nothing else today, it is that we must let go of what was. We have to recognize an ending. We have to learn to grieve what is lost. And then remember the words of God. Forget the former things. He is making a way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this has been uh, an exhausting season for so many. God, on top of the normal rhythms of life, the normal challenges of being human on earth, the ebbs and flows and the tragedies and the trials, on top of all of that, we have a societal shift. And Father, we don't want to stew in what was, but God, we do want to learn from it. We want to learn from what you've taken us through as we navigate the wilderness. We want to have a better sense of how to do it better in the days to come and how to help others around us do it as well. So, Father, our prayer as a community is that you would, that you would soak in deep these lessons, that you would help us to learn from your people, their journey through the wilderness. You would help us to learn from each other. As we're all in different places and all in different battles, but God, help us lean on each other, be a true community, do this together. And God, when we feel like giving up, my prayer is that you would whisper to each and every heart in the room, I am making a way through this. This is not our end. Father, this is not our home. And I pray that you will remind us around every switchback turn that you have a path and a good plan. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We lift him up. We pray in his name. Amen. Hi again. Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon, every Sunday, in person or online. Thanks for listening.